Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Radio. This is episode number 60. I'm your pal Val, and with me is the amazing Jason. Jason, how are you? Hey, Val. Doing well. And the man, the myth, the legend, King NASCAR Logan, how are you? I'm fine. Hope everybody's doing well. Definitely hope everybody's doing doing super out there. We're going to talk Xfinity, Cup Series, winners, highest finish rookies. We're going to talk a little bit about playoffs. We might cover... F1 and IndyCar real quick. We're going to talk about ComC and maybe I've learned a few things by using ComC for um, the last so many months, years. Go over with the guys some of their helpful hints and tips to make your experience or if we can pass on some uh, experiences that uh, maybe will save you some some steps or save you some money. So, And then if there's anything else that we talked about that we're going to cover today and then whatever else. Yep, this could be a miscellaneous episode. <laughs> and while you listen to the show, don't forget to like and share the podcast. And also check the archive for some of the past episodes. If you're interested in, say, the 1972 STP, that's in episode number 29. Or if you're a Jeff Gordon fan and you want to know about the 1987-88 World of Outlaws, that's uh, show number 40. Or maybe you're hearing all about Max and the... Myrtle Beach variations and stuff like that. That show number 38 and 39. Check out those in the archives. Well, gentlemen, let's get started here. Uh, this is NASCAR Radio for anybody who's new. We're trading cars and racing meet. The Camping World Truck Series was off last week. They pick up this week at Darlington Raceway. The In It to Win It 200. That's Sunday, September 5th. At 1.30, the stages are 45, 90, 147 laps for 200.1 miles. I believe this is the second race in the playoffs for them, with Sheldon Creed winning that first race in the first round of the playoffs. So, going to go from the round of 10 down to 8. I think it's two more races. So, we got two out of the top 10, and we're going to lose two folks here on the next two races. So, everybody's jockeying to uh, make the next round. So then over in Xfinity series, that was race number 23, the 20th annual Wawa 250. That was Friday, August 27th. And that was at Daytona International Speedway, Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, our winner was Justin Haley with our highest finishing rookie, Sam Mayer at position number 12. It looks like. Yeah. Justin Haley, um, it was like a, almost a photo finish between him and AJ Allmendinger. Both those colleague racing cars. I tell you what, colleague racing is coming along. If they come along in Cup, like they've come along in Xfinity, they could be a future force to be reckoned with for sure. Yeah, I you know was watching that race and I had the, kind of the same thing. I was like, well, colleague racing where AJ Allmendinger won. I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, and you know they just have been kind of everywhere. So I, I think to your point. With this one-two finish for them, it's it's pretty impressive. And then Jeb Burton's also one of their cars. He came in fourth. So uh, Justin Allgaier ruined their one-two-three, but definitely I, I, you know, with them expanding the cup, I, I wasn't really sure about you know AJ Allmendinger. I mean, he's don't get me wrong, he's a great driver. You know, and we always talk about it. You need a little bit more than just being a driver. But uh, I'm seriously considering you know picking up some Allmendinger rookies here. But I know we're talking about Justin Haley. Yeah, Justin Haley, I think, is the one that's going to be going full-time cup for them next year. And I think A.J. Allmendinger is going to be just doing select races. 
So and Justin, good. Yeah, no, the yeah Justin Haley, I believe, is the one who's actually going full time cup. Okay. Well, his cards are in 2018 Panini certified. Uh, that's Panini certified. Uh, it's got Chase Briscoe, I believe, in there as well. So there's the different parallels for those: the like orange, red, blue, gold, purple, green, black, and they're mirrored gold, purple, green, black. And those are serial number from like 249 down. And then he has signatures in 2018 Panini Prism. Looking for those Haley Deegan's scripted signatures, Prisms. Justin Haley's in there. Like I said, he's got the, the camo, red, white, and blue, number 75. Green, blue, red, rainbow, gold, white, and black. And those are numbered from 60 and lower. And then in Victory Lane signatures as well. Uh, those are numbered uh Regular 100, gold 99, and black 1. So, and I think Justin Haley also won, has already won in Cup. So, this is a. Yeah, he won that ring short race in, in Daytona. Yeah. So, he loves Daytona. Let me ask you a question before we go to the next. Uh, yeah. Results and stuff. So, I'm looking at every time we do this, I look up the cards that the people were talking about. And for Justin Haley, his eight, 2018 stuff doesn't have any sort of rookie card logo but his 19 prism does um i know we've talked about some kind of wonky rules for the racing rookies but any explanation for that that you guys would know of not that i can think of only that maybe they were waiting for him to get the cup and that's why nascar is kind of is not like baseball where you know when you get to the major leagues we have folks like Justin Algar, right? He went up the cup and he's running now in Xfinity for the last, I don't know how many years. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I know when we talked to Tim Trout and stuff, they tried to put those Snoko rookies on there when they're rookie in that division or whatever, but right. that was pre 2018. So I don't know, Jason, I, I, that's one of those things. I wish there was something that they could do to help clean that up. I think it would be more informative for the collector. Because it's very confusing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can never go back and fix it, but it's almost like they need to do it like Tops did with baseball years ago. And people complained for a couple of years, but then it kind of went away and it seems to be a decent system now. Yeah, you know, A.J. Allmendinger is another one. He went to Cup, and then he went back down to uh, Xfinity. And, you know, these rookie logos, I, I wish I had an explanation why and why they don't do it. I mean, because 2018 was his first year on a card. So, you know, to me, that's going to be his rookie card, you know, and certified. And, uh, well, of course, he's got signatures in Prism and Victory right. Lane. But, 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 you know, to me, that's, that's going to be the card for sure. Maybe they need to like do like Bowman. It's like, you know, the first, first, first card. Part. Yeah. Instead of doing rookie. Thing. Yeah. Scrap well, the whole RC logo stuff and just say first card. Well, you know, I've got uh, on on the PSA set registry. I have a set that has uh, all the modern era uh, NASCAR winners. And when I went to go add Justin Haley, I had a 2019 and a 2018 card, and I picked the 2019 because of what you said. And they said no, 2018 is going to be his rookie card. That's so they, interesting. So they came back and told me 2018. I said, okay, fine. I, you know, I had one of those too because you have to have one of those things, uh, have one of those cards graded in order for them to add it. So luckily, I had both. 
but that's that's how uh, PSA looked at it. They looked at it as the 2018 being his rookie, since that was his first card. Right. And then highest finishing rookie was Sam Mayer. Yeah, I like old Sam Mayer. He's he's one of the people that when they were they had the ARCA race here in Memphis, and I was waiting outside where they exit all the teams exit, and I had my my hatch open on my truck with some uh, LED lights going on, Christmas <laughs> lights going on. <laughs> and he's one of the, he was one of the people that, that stopped and actually signed uh, cards for me. And it was, that was dead smack in the middle of COVID. And it was funny because he was riding in the back seat and his mom and dad were up front driving as they were leaving. So that was cool. So I have a soft spot for him since he did that for me. So I like old Sam Mayer. Hey, that's, that's what they do. Right. Uh, I'm a big Sam Mayer fan just for hearing that story. So I know that they appreciate the fans. And so uh, his, his rookies are in 2020 Donruss. Yeah, he has the rated rookie there. And then you have the different parallels like silver, Carolina blue, orange, red, blue, green, purple, pink, black numbers, 21, and black trophy and printing plates. He's also in the optic with the different parallels, hollow, Carolina blue, orange, pulsar, red, mojo, golden, gold vinyl, and then optic signatures. Always love the optic signatures. Yeah, uh, me too. That's, that's number 99, and then gold uh, to one. And then he is in 2020 Panini Chronicles. He's in the score with score autographs, the spectra. He's in national treasures with social signatures, uh, treasure debuts. 2020 Panini Prism signing sessions. Uh, there's a unnumbered and then numbered from 99 and lower. Silver, green, scope, pink, red and blue, hyper, blue and Carolina, blue, hyper, rainbow, green and yellow, hyper, gold prism, white prism, gold vinyl, black, finite, number to one. Good job. So, so plenty of cards to collect of old Sam in 2020. Yeah, I got him to sign the uh, Chronicle score base cards. Of course, I used the powder trick on them and powdered them up before uh, I had him sign them. I like the score in the 2020. Yeah, me too. This looks like the old football with the uh, design and with those green borders and stuff. So, And so our next race uh, is race number 24, and that's the sports clips, haircuts, VFW, help, for, help a hero 200 at Darlington Raceway. That's Saturday September 4th at 3.30 p.m. Stages are 45, 90, 147 laps for 200 miles. Now, it's interesting, and this kind of shows, even though we have these three different truck, Xfinity, and Cup, trucks are in the playoffs. Xfinity is not set their playoffs yet. We've actually got a few more races to go. The playoffs start race 27. This next race is 24. So we have Darlington, Richmond, and then Bristol, uh, race 26, and then then starts the playoffs. So there's still a couple of weeks for uh, the playoffs in Xfinity. So, Yeah, their playoffs are similar to the trucks. And, and the only reason that they haven't gotten to playoffs yet is they have more races than trucks. Yeah. So like we talked about before, so like your beginner is the truck level where the schedule is not as intense. The trucks don't cost as much to build and race. And then the Xfinity is the next level up. More it's races. More of, a, more of a minor league. Yeah. Person. More more races, but still not as expensive as Cup. And then Cup is the Mac Daddy. 
Yeah, the the Xfinity series is like AAA baseball. That's why I look at it sometimes. Yeah, it is, but it's not. I guess if you're trying to relate it to baseball, it is, but it's still yeah, professional. I'm just trying to get a point of reference out there for for people who are not super super NASCAR fans. Yeah, it is a little confusing when you're coming from some of those other sports, but it's not too bad. And then over in the Cup Series, that was race number 26. That was the Coke Zero Sugar 400. That was Saturday, August 28th at Daytona International Speedway, Daytona, Florida. And our winner was Ryan Blaney. And our highest finishing rookie was Chase Briscoe, position 21. That race was, I don't know, a race of attrition. It was a barn burner for sure. I thought for sure there before all the crazy wrecks started happening that Matt DiBenedetto was going to have a chance to win. And I was really getting excited about it. And uh, Chase had to, Chase Elliott had to throw the block and he just didn't have enough room and crashed half the field and took himself out, took out DiBenedetto, a bunch of other good cars. I think Kyle Busch got in, was in that one. Uh, there was a whole lot of cars that went out. I was, I was not happy. In fact, I, I yelled so loud that my little puppy uh, it freaked her out, and she ran into the other room where her mama was. <laughs> yeah, I was watching that last restart, and there was, like, so many cars up front that had never won that would, like, totally blow up the, the playoffs or, you know, drop out Tyler Reddick or Austin Dillon out of the last spot because you had Chris Buescher up there and Bubba Wallace and Ryan Newman and Ryan uh, Ryan Pierce and Tyler Reddick who's you know trying to go and then but uh, Chris Buescher was disqualified and then so Bubba Wallace came in second and then Ryan Newman Ryan Pierce and then Tyler Reddick so and that solidified the playoff standings where Tyler Reddick was in and Austin Dillon was out. We talked about Ryan Blaney's cards last week. His car, rookie cards or first cards are in the 2012 Fanfare. Yep, that's the only uh, set that he's in is the Fanfare. Yeah, and there's a few different parallels for that. Blue foil die cuts, hollow foil die cuts, silver number 25, sapphire 20, diamond the 5. And when they when they uh, numbered the cards, there weren't many of them with the silver 25, sapphire 20, and diamond 5. Uh, the rest of them are the blue foil die cuts and half foil die cuts are not numbered. Uh, there's magnificent materials, silver and gold, one, numbered to 125 and 75. And then the young guns autograph silver, the 399 gold to 150, red to 75, and blue to 10. And those are the ones where I told you that you can actually find a full signature version and then you can find his. Oh my God! I got to sign 600 of these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the, the uh, Y and Ryan make it the L and Blaney. So uh, yeah, so 399, 150. So that's four, f- uh, 550 plus 75. So it's like six something. So be on yeah. the lookout for those full signature Ryan Blaney's uh, Young Guns 2020, 2012 fanfare. Yeah, and his rookie cards are just like all the other ones. It seems like that his are very reasonably priced, and you know, this is his first multi-win season. I mean, he's won. You know, the other seasons when he's won, he's won one race. This year, now he's won three. So he's had a great year. And when you look at the playoff standings with stage points and stuff like that, he—if I'm not wrong—he's basically tied for second place with with Martin Truex with 24 points. Now, Larson's got 52, but he's got a lot of 
stage points that'll help him through the playoffs. Yeah, he does. I mean, uh, if we want to start talking, well, I think let's start talking about uh, the truck series playoffs. If we're going to, if we want to start talking about playoffs, you want well, um, let's, let's hit Chase Briscoe real quick. Um, if you're new to the show and haven't been listening, Chase Briscoe, his rookies are in 2018, Panini certified, and then he's also in Panini Prime. Those are more uh, relics. And then signatures in 2018, Panini Prism, and 2018, Panini Victory Lane signatures as well. And then I just wanted to cover real quick for the IndyCar fans. I believe they were off last week. There's three races left to go. And I think the next race is September 12th. And Pato Award is leading in points behind Alex Palalo. Is that how you say it? Uh, I'm not sure. And then Joseph Joseph Newgarden. And then over in F1, the 2021 Rolex Belgium Grand Prix that was running August 29th. Max Verstappen won that. And I was going to talk about his cards, but I looked on Trading Card Database, and he has nine pages of 2020 rookies. So uh, <laughs> all all the flavors of Topps, uh, Chrome and Dynasty and uh, the Ma- Max Attack and stickers. So, um, But what's interesting, though, is the Formula 1 standing so far Lewis Hamilton is leading Max Verstappen by three points. And then Lando Norris is next, uh, minus 90. So so maybe trying to learn a little bit about F1 as well. So, But that that's the recap. Um, you know what I didn't say? I didn't, we didn't talk about the next race for the Cup Series. is the Cookout Southern 500 at Donkin Raceway, September 5th, Sunday, 6 p.m., as stages 115, 230, 367 laps for 501 miles. This is the one that's kind of in my backyard here, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to swing it Saturday or Sunday, but we'll, I'll let everybody know, I guess, if, what happens after after it happens. So That that would be cool if you could go, man. That would be awesome. Um, brother's got a birthday party on Sunday. Hopefully he's not listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, and my dad's coming to town. So, so with the playoffs set, there's a reset. So what they do is basically add like 2000 points to everybody in those top 16. So it definitely separates them from everybody else. So these 16 here are going to finish in the 16th in points. Uh, and that's also for money. So if we haven't talked about before, that's one thing that Bill France did back when he started NASCAR was that you won the race and the money at the race, but then also there was money set aside for the end of the year champion. So that would keep drivers in his league, in the league and reward them for driving and competing in all the races. So that's what I'm saying is out of the 40 racer racers who come to the race each, each week or whatever that these 16 here now will be in the top 16 for money. So it helps these, you know, smaller teams like Michael McDowell and stuff like that. You know, they're they're going to get 16th place money, worst case scenario. Yeah. Hey, can we go back to Darlington for just a second? Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to give some facts, some couple of fun tidbits about Darlington. Um, you know, we talked about Harry Gant before and how good he looks, and you know, he's uh, uh, 
you know, he's, 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 he really looks good for his age. But anyway, um, he is the oldest winner at Darlington. He was 51 when he won 30 years ago today. Wow. He was yeah. 51 then. He was 51 30 years ago. So, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, talking about winners and things, you know, they've had 120 races in Darlington, and 20 winners have come from the pole. And 17 have come from starting second. So 37 winners out of 120 races have started on the front row. And that's that's over 30%. So it's good to be up front starting at Darlington, for sure. Very nice. So there you go. And the Darlington was one of the first paved tracks, I believe, on the NASCAR circuit. I think it was 1951. 1950. 50. Thank you. And then uh, Darlington, Darlington, Daytona didn't open... Until what fifty nine? Fifty nine. Yeah. So France saw this this track, and I don't think he somewhat modeled it. And one thing about Darlington is, I guess when they poured that concrete, they had that sand sand in there, so it's basically like running on sandpaper. Yeah. There's there's sand in the aggregate, and there's also like crumbled, crushed up seashells and things like that, because that's what they use for the aggregate for the asphalt at Darlington. Yeah, we passed there. Every time and, we go, and, we head to Myrtle and, Beach. Good. So, yeah, that, that that's what makes Darlington so tough on tires is is the what they use for the aggregate for the asphalt. That's why it chews up tires so quickly, and that's why and, tires and, are such a premium. One of the, I guess, one of the books on tape that I listened to or read, they talked about that first race where they were going through tires so quick that dry racers were going out into the stands and getting tires from cars out there. Uh, to put on their put on their race cars so yeah that's why you know johnny mance that that's another fact right there johnny mance who was the first winner of the very first southern 500 in darlington he um he started 43rd that day and he the reason he was so slow you know and it started so far back is because he figured out early on to use truck tires, which slowed him down, but they were hard, a harder compound, which lasted longer. And that's how he was able to pull off the win. Right. He didn't have to pit as much. Exactly. And he didn't need the speed. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I was reading or saying was that red Voigt was losing his mind. He knew that he just knew that they were cheating somehow and they were trying getting NASCAR to tear down everything of the winners uh, looking for uh, what they had modified or whatever, and it was just the the tire. So, uh, yeah. so good. Oh, yeah, I was just gonna say that, that Johnny Mance is the is the furthest person or furthest driver to, to start. You know, starting forty third, he was the furthest driver to win. You know, in all in all time history of Darlington by starting forty third. Gotcha. Uh, so the playoffs reset and. It's on by stage points, and Kyle Larson is position one, followed by Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Denny Hamlin, William Byron, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, Eric Armarola, Tyler Reddick, and Kevin Harvick has the last 16th spot. So, so again, when you get to Darlington um, in the first round, you win. You automatically advance to the next stage. Yep. And so we can uh, go into 
uh, our picks, I guess, for truck and cup series, if you want. Yeah, that's fine. I don't know how you want to work it, Logan, if you want to compare. Jason, I don't know um, how much you want to be on in this one. Truck series is, it's fun to watch, but it's on, you know, what is it, Friday, so. But we can talk about the the round of 10. I'm trying to think of who I look, uh, who I picked to skip the round of eight. Uh, I think I got like Zane Smith and Todd Gillen dropping out from the round of 10 to eight. And then the round of four, uh, Sheldon Creed, John Hunter Nemechek, Carson Huckavar, and Ben Rhodes. And I think John Hunter Nemechek is probably going to take that uh, championship this year. Yeah. Um, I agree. The way I, here's the way I did it. I, I kind of used a little bit of statistics and a little bit of gut to pick mine. Um, of course, we already know one one person who's going into the round of eight, which is uh, Sheldon Creed, since he won at Worldwide Technology Raceway. So I've got this week. I've got uh, John Hunter Nemechek winning in Darlington, and then I've got Chandler Smith the next week in Bristol to be your three winners in this round. And then the rest of them pointing their way in would be Matt Crafton, uh, Stuart Friesen, Austin Hill, Carson Hokovar, and um, uh, Ben Rhodes. So that's who I've got in my, my eight. Then in the round of uh, the next round of people going to the final four, I've got Austin Hill uh, winning in Las Vegas John Hunter Nemechek winning in Talladega. That'll be a crazy race for sure. And then I've got Ben Rhodes winning in Mar- in Martinsville with Sheldon Creed getting in there on points. And uh, I've got John Hunter Nemechek who, you know, went in Phoenix and winning the championship. So I've actually got John Hunter Nemechek winning three races, you know, in this in these playoffs. But I think it's going to take something like that to win it anyway. So that's that's my picks on who I've got. And I've got uh, in that very first round, I've got the same thing as you, Val. I've got um, Zane Zane Smith and uh, Todd Gillen going out. So that's kind of because you know, we didn't even talk about this and we've got the same two guys going out. Yeah, that's kind of I just, you know, been watching this long enough to know. That I mean, I don't wish any of them any ill luck. I just I think they're running for smaller teams and it's just going to be tough to to fight those other teams. So, but that is, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, and then cup, I think I have to go down from 16 to 12. So I, it looks like I got uh Tyler Reddick dropping out, Eric Amarillo dropping out, Michael McDowell dropping out. I think Christopher Bell dropping out from 12 and then to eight. I got Larson still running through Blaney, Truex, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Denny Hamlin, and Kevin Harvick still moving through. I think he wins to get through. And then the round of four, uh, Larson, Blaney, Chase Elliott, and Denny Hamlin as a final four. And I don't know. I got either. I, this was a tough one for me. Uh, I think it's, you know, maybe Chase. Uh, I want to say Blaney, but I don't think so. It might be uh, Elliott or Larson. I'd like to see uh, Chase repeat, but Larson, you know, he's already been the regular series champ, and he's it's hard. Well, he's just got everything going for him this year, so he's definitely been on a roll. But he hasn't really been on a roll the last few races. But I mean, he's got to get hot in the playoffs. 
And who do you have? So here's what I've got. Uh, I've got Truex winning Darlington this weekend. I've gotten Joe. I've got Joey Logano winning at Richmond, and I've got Kyle Busch winning at Bristol. Boy, that was a really hard one to to pick. <laughs> it says he dominates there pretty much. Uh, rounding out the round of twelve would be Larson, Blaney, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Denny Hamlin, William Byron, Brad Keselowski, Kurt Busch and Kevin Harvick with uh, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, Eric Almarola, and Tyler Reddick not making it. I <laughs> going out. You got the same as me. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Dang, that's amazing. We, I, I swear, everybody, we did not talk about this. The only thing we said is we were going to make our picks, and we would reveal them on the show. So there you go. That's pretty cool. <laughs> now, if it happens, it's a whole nother story, but we'll both be right or wrong. So yeah, yeah. There's a, there's no room for error here with both of us. Um, so in the round of eight, I've got Kyle Larson winning Las Vegas. I've got Denny Hamlin finally winning this year at Talladega. I mean, he's due, I and mean, he's been up front so much. He is due to win. And uh, I've got. Chase Elliott went in at the Roval since, you know, it's kind of a road course and Chase Elliott is by far the road course king of NASCAR right now. Uh, also moving on in the round of eight would be Truex, uh, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, and Blaney, Ron Blaney. Uh, going out and not making it is going to be uh, Alex, I mean, yeah, uh, Alex Bowman, William Byron, Kurt Busch and Kevin Harvick does not make it. He just he he hasn't shown me anything this year to to make me think he's going to get any further than that. He's just that that the whole Stuart Haas team has just as a whole has just not performed, and I they've missed something somewhere or, or something. But they're just they're just they're just not. This is just not their year. So moving on to the round of four, I've got. Kyle, uh, Kyle Busch winning at Texas. I got Kyle Larson winning at Kansas. That'd be his second win of the playoffs. And I've got Martin Truex winning in Martinsville, which would be his second win of the playoffs. And pointing his way in would be Chase Elliott. So my final four, Kyle Busch, Larson, Truex, and Chase Elliott with Hamlin not making it, Logano, Brad uh, Keselowski, and Ryan Blaney. And my championship winner in Phoenix, you know, I'm just going to go with what I've seen this year and I'm going to pick Kyle Larson is, is the champion for this year. I think, I think he'll be loaded for bear if he makes it to the final four and he's going to, he's going to just take it all. <laughs> that's how I see it. Yeah. See there, that's where we, we differ. I have Blaney and Hamlin uh, in that round of four. So, and then on the other one, I have uh, Harvick winning to get into the round of eight, but I don't have him, I don't have him advancing out of that. To your point, I think he gets finally gets a win, and and possibly Hamlin getting a win to get into that eight. So, but it's it'd be interesting. Was that? So it's going to be fun. Oh yeah, I'm super excited. And then in a few weeks, we'll we can talk about Xfinity and that series there. So. You know, Larson cards right now are, I think, a little high. Or you're going to pay a premium for them. But in Chase Elliott, I would say there's probably a little bit of a premium built into that. But, uh, I, yeah, I know it's kind of early in his career, but he's already won in Xfinity and won 
cup championship. So I would say he's uh, he'll be in the Hall of Fame with, with some of the stuff. And then if he can pull off a back to back, nobody's done that, I guess, since Jimmy. Yeah, uh, the last one. Yeah. So again, he's but he's going up against Larson, who is a massive town and and also on the same team. So you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, we we've got like a ownership switch at Hendrick Motorsports with Jeff Gordon coming in, you know, and how that maybe shake up stuff. And I was thinking, you know, how much of the resources of the guys working on the next gen cars as well. So it'd be be interesting. So. I guess what I'm saying is it'd be, you know, nobody's guaranteed like next year to pick up where they left off this year, right? With, with new car and going to the different wheels and other stuff. So yeah, I'm sure Kyle Larson, he'd like to get his championship and get that secured and lock him in as a you know future, a future champion. So, yeah. Um, and just to give everybody, um, a little idea of what's going on in the playoffs with points, Kyle Larson, you know, because he's won, he's won a lot of stages and a lot of races, which has earned him a lot of bonus points, 52 to be exact, like what Val said earlier. But you got, you also have to look at it that Kevin Harvick, he hasn't, I think he's like won a stage or something this year. He's got, they reset the points and he's got 2,000. They give you 2,000 and then they give you the bonus points on top of that. So Kevin Harvick's got 2,002 in 16th place. Versus Kyle Larson in first place with 20, 2052. Now, if you think about it, there's usually like 38 cars that start a race, and each position is a point that you earn. So, with Kyle Larson with two, 2052 points, you look down to William Byron in eighth, he's got 2014 points, and that's 38 points difference. So, Kyle Larson has already got a full race on everybody ninth on down already in points starting out. So that, that is a huge, huge advantage for him. And that's going to, that's going to propel him through the first round and probably the second round for sure. The third, the last round is where it's going to get, get tougher, but because you get to take those points and, and use those move up, you get those points back again at the end of each at the beginning of each round. So uh, that's just, to me, that's just amazing how many points he's got. But, you know, that's how Truex won his first championship was the same way. You know, they they won so many races and so many stages that, you know, he just hardly couldn't, could not, not make it through the first couple rounds. Yeah, the guys at the lower end, they need to be flawless. And if they need to pick up a win, I mean, if, if they are in parallel and gaining points from the one from drivers above with them, they'll eventually get knocked out just because of the rounds collapsing on them. So, you know, the first few drivers have a, a large advantage and can um, handle a catastrophe. Uh, granted, probably just one, then, you know, something happened to the, some of the lower seeds. So it makes the playoffs definitely interesting. The old points, you know, they'd run points and you got them and, uh, there's kind of no elimination. It was just kind of steady as you go and the most consistent one. So with this playoff system now, uh, it it rewards wins uh, as opposed to just, you know, being super steady. So it makes it more exciting, I guess. Yeah. And 
you know, if you want to talk about the card aspect of the playoffs for a second, if you look at everybody's rookie cards from the, you know, just looking at the years of their rookie cards, Kevin Harvick is the only driver with with car, rookie cards in the last century. <laughs> 1999 yeah 1999 everybody else is 2000 and up or actually even more than that uh, kurt bush is 2000 two, yeah 2000 2000 and up yeah kurt bush has got 2000 but then it so, quickly goes up from there because you got um looking down the list you know kyle bush 2004 um and then everything else else i think true x true x is 2004 as well yeah uh michael mcdowell i think is like 2007 eric amarola so yeah so kevin harvick 1999 and kurt bush and then talking about kurt bush you know i mentioned him last week we were talking about you know trying uh looking or picking up you know really good drivers future hall of famers uh, and then, so Kurt Busch, who was, is with Chip Canassi, which is being sold to Trackhouse. And I think Trackhouse is committed to taking Ross Chastain, the other driver at the Chip Canassi camp. Uh, so that left him without a ride, but the uh, 23XI, uh, the Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan team has picked him up as a second driver to run with Bubba Wallace. So I think this is actually a good pickup for them. They get an established driver and maybe somebody who can also help, um, I don't say mentor Bubba Wallace, but, you know, just another person to, to bounce stuff off of. So, and to Ooh. test and uh, get data for the crew chiefs and the crews. You know, that, that reminds me of something I just thought of Kurt Busch. I think him and Casey Kane are the only two that have done this, that have driven for Chevrolet, Ford, Dodge, and Toyota. Yeah, okay. I think I think those are the only two. I think Casey Kane was the first one to do it, and then now Kurt Busch will be the second one to do that, to run for all the different manufacturers. <laughs> he can drive anything. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> and you know having and been driving since 2000 so again future hall of famer so yeah as we've talked about before you know i, I think uh get you know winning a championship is your ticket into the nascar hall of fame yeah i mean it's not an easy feat as we've been talking about you got 40 drivers you know narrowing it down to one it's like winning the world series but but you have edge out and then also in this new playoff format the way it's manipulated uh, or the way you have to navigate it, it's no easy feat. So, no, it's not. Hey, Logan, I'm kind of glad you said what you said, and that that guarantees you know a Hall of Fame status. This was something I was going to ask on a later show, and maybe we can squeeze it in now. Besides Rookie of the Year, besides the Hall of Fame, like what kind of collections can you have a theme for? So I know you can have like say a card or a rookie card of like all the Daytona 500 winners or you know whatever, but like what are some of the other milestones? And obviously Val, you can chime in on this as well. But like baseball has the obvious ones, 500 home runs, you know that sort of stuff. What are some of the milestones for racing that people typically collect? Well, like like you said, Daytona 500 is one for sure. Uh, 
NASCAR champions are another one. Uh, All-star race winners are another one. Um, it was up until this year, uh, Brickyard 400 winners w was a good one. But I guess now you can just say Brickyard winners. But those those are all good themes to collect. In fact, I do collect some of those myself. Uh, in fact, I think there's actually a, a set on the set PSA set registry for um, the all-star race winners that you can collect. And one thing I like is champions uh, getting a, a card from the driver's championship year, you know, autographed. So, I, you know, going back, I think quite a ways you can get their cards were produced, pack certified of the drivers who won the championship. So what about stats? Like what kind of stats do more than one people, more than one driver achieve, but is also within reason to where it's not like a collection of two cards, two mm -hmm. drivers. Well, you know, of course, wins is one of them. Um, poll, poll win, you know, poll winners. How many polls have you won? <laughs> well, I guess the, the more specific question is like, okay, so for baseball, there's 500 home runs. So, like, is there a number of wins that's, you know, not elite level, but at least it's premier to where enough people get in to where it's a big enough collection, but it's not like everybody gets in? I'd say anything like that. I'd, I'd say, you know, if you're going to do something like that, you know, it'd be like 25 wins or more would be a good place to start. Yeah, I was going to say 20 or 25. I think when I, I heard when they were like redoing the, NASCAR Hall of Fame where they were picking some of the older drivers or the top top 50 or whatever it is that they were using, I think, 20. So I was thinking either 25 or 50, depending on how you wanted to, to do it with wins. Gotcha. You know, either multiple champions. Yeah, because if you look at the, um, the all-time race win list, there's not a whole lot of drivers that have won 50 or more races. Yeah, and I knew that from seeing the list when we talked about it a couple of shows ago, but then when Miguel Cabrera just hit 500 home runs last week, it kind of made me think, well, you know, what about for us, you know, uh, racing collectors? Like we do, we talk about rookie cards all the time, but we never talk about like themed sets or themed collections. So. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you guys another theme that I like, and it encompasses more, than just NASCAR is IROC champions, the people who have won the International Race of Champion Championships. I mean, you've got people like Mark Donahue and uh, I think Al Unser. You know, there, there's there are several IndyCar drivers that have won the International Race of Champions. But then as it went on, it seemed like it was more NASCAR dominated. But in the beginning, you had a mix of IndyCar and, and NASCAR drivers winning that championship with Mark Martin winning four IROC championships. And Jeff Gordon never winning any. So I hope that tells everybody something. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we have any more on this, I want to, uh, before we wrap up, talk about ComC. And uh, some of the things that I've learned, I know we haven't talked about ComC uh, maybe some of the fundamentals to ComC, but if so, if you're new, uh, ComC is a is a marketplace where you can uh, buy and sell cards. You can send cards in, you can buy cards on the site, and you can then relist them for sale or have them shipped home. 
previously getting them shipped home wasn't too, I don't want to say a big deal, but you didn't have to wait too long. But with all the stuff that's going on in the market right now, I think I had saw today where they, they shipped about 500,000 cards last month on uh, that. They're, they're catching up, but, but if you're buying and selling, there's a few things that I've learned and I'm sure the Jason and Logan have learned as well. And that, you know, if we can give you some tips or let you think about, you know, maybe thought different about something that, you know, it might help you. So I know one of the big things I was talking actually with Logan, I think it was earlier on this week or last week is that when you look at cards for sale, that they show particular price and, the way you have your settings set up that there's a 25 cent buffer, I think built into that, that's kind of for shipping cards home so that if you don't ship your cards home right away, then you can, you'll pay that 25 cents when you go uh, to ship them home. But everything on uh, that you see available for sale will be uh, 25 cents cheaper. So, yeah, because when we were at the national Val was showing me, some things that he had bought and showing me some uh, some things from his Com C uh, page, and I saw some cards in there that were like three and four cents, and I'm like, you know, I went and looked for those, and I never saw anything like that. And Val was was telling me that you have to change your your uh, shipping and reselling mode in your profile. So I'm gonna let Val talk about that. Yeah. So if you are in your Com C, and if you want to pause, we'll wait. Uh, but you bring up your my dashboard and you go to profile and options and then there's an outgoing offers and it's there's a buying mode and it's simplified shipping mode or advanced reselling mode and so the text says if you are a typical buyer we recommend simplified shipping mode this will streamline your buying experience aka will put in that 25 cents. And when you go to ship at home, you don't have to worry about those 25 cent fees. Uh, but it says if you are a seller that is interested in buying and relisting cards, AKA flipping, we recommend advanced reselling mode. And then items purchased in advanced reselling mode do not qualify for flat rate shipping or other shipping promotions. So that's the one thing you lose, but the majority of the stuff I'm either acquiring and uh, leaving on the site or I will ship uh, later at one time. Like I said, your shipping fees will be more when you go to ship, but it's not really more. It's You've already built that in if it's in the simplified shipping mode. I don't know if I'm saying that right, uh, Jason or Logan, if you guys can. Yeah, so I guess there's two. There's a couple ways to look at it and just depending on you know, your perspective, but Pretty much every card on there has two prices. One is a quarter more than the other, essentially. And what you're talking about is the advanced reselling mode, which would be the card is five cents, where if it's the simplified mode, it's 30 cents. But if you're like me, sometimes I forget to switch back and forth because I buy cards to flip and I also buy cards you know, to finish sets or something that I want. So sometimes I forget to switch it back and forth. Um, so one example is if you buy a card on the reselling mode and you didn't pay that quarter, 
whenever you go to ship it to yourself, you will pay that quarter. So you'll pay that quarter um, regardless if it's something that you're getting shipped. The reselling mode is more for a card that you will never physically touch, if that makes sense. Because you're going to buy it, relist it, and then it'll never... Like it'll go into your account, but it won't actually go to your house. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I didn't I didn't look at it that way, but yeah, thanks for clearing that up. So that's one of the tidbits that I learned. And you know, you can buy cards for two cents or whatever. And again, it, I, to me, there's real no penalty for it. You're just going to pay that 25 cents if you decide to send it home. That's all. Because sometimes I'll keep stuff on the site and then like. We'll try to do stuff bulk, but and then also if you're an EPAC and you send that through to your Comp C account and send it home, you're still gonna have to pay that extra 25 cents as well. So, so that's how I kind of stumbled into that uh, mode because I thought, well, when you transfer stuff from EPAC, you know, I can just send it home with the other stuff, but no, you have to pay that 25 cents. So. So do you guys think it's best just to keep it in advanced reselling mode all the time or I, cause I know I heard Jason talking about flipping it back and forth. Yeah. So the two options that I would suggest are doing that. Um, but it's a mental thing. Whenever you go to ship it, then if you have a hundred cards, you're paying an extra $25 for shipping and it just sounds bad. It just kind of sucks. <laughs> Even though well, you're paying it little by little, when it's that lump sum, it's kind of different. Or have two accounts and do one account as a reseller and one account as a simplified shipping mode. So, see, I had to get it out of that mindset. So I was thinking, okay, yeah, I sent us uh, 100 cards home and it's going to be 20, $25, right? But otherwise, if I buy it in the other mode, I paid that $25 and it's sitting in, right. it's sitting in com C and it's basically, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts as opposed to, okay, when I go to send it home, if I do send it home, I pay for that, that one time there. So I, I pay it only if I ship it. So whatever the shipping cost is uh, to me, that's fine. It, yeah, it might be high, but it's not any higher than it would be if I did it the other way. So, right. It's a total mental game on that yeah. one. Just depends on your preference. Yeah, exactly. So just for the listeners to be aware that you have options. So, and again, you can move it or switch it back and forth, uh, which I have not done. I've left it uh, the way it is, but I guess it sounds like Jason, you have done that before. Yeah. I've pretty much, I feel like I've almost tried everything on there. Just to see <laughs> what works best. And that's it, the thing about that site. There's not one, right answer for everybody yeah and it's it is very you know there are options on the site so uh one of the other things for me is when you sell uh the first of the month is when your fees are taken out for the month and i couldn't figure out where to find that information so that if you're in the my dashboard uh, on the right hand side under the available store credit that it shows there's a store credit history and that is where you will see your storage fee and your enhanced security fee. And that, I believe, enhanced security fee is for cards over $50. And those, it's like a penny a day, I think it is. So so that's where you find your storage fees. Yep. I, I just went to that. I didn't know that. I just went to that and looked at it. So those are the two that I usually 
you know, I've made changes to. The other area is like sales history. I'm always curious to see if somebody's buying cards and if they're purchased by somebody from the site. Or actually, I have mine listed that they pass through the eBay, and you'd be able to see your eBay sales. It'll say eBay has the purchased by. So uh, I think they actually, I don't know if they still sell through Amazon or not, but that's another option where you can have your uh, cards listed on those as well. So I just went and looked at my store credit history, and I got charged a penny. So that must mean I have a card for sale out there that I don't know about. There you go. I got charged a penny today, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so I need yeah, to go out today's see, the first. See what I, I I didn't I haven't flagged anything to, to be sold that I'm aware of. So apparently I have and did not know it. I need I need to go find that out. I have not done any of the auctions. I don't know, Jason, if you've listed anything for auction through them. Uh, I never have. My collection is not one that has high dollar stuff ever. Um, so I have not. And then also if you buy on eBay and buy a auction from Com C, you can actually purchase it and transfer it into Com C. Now I think you have to pay the rate. The uh, it's just not that price, it's that price plus uh whatever it is for fee, if I remember right. Um, but Again, you can bring that into your ComC account. So I have one uh, tip that I'll I'll give it away for free. So because <laughs> um, so, I feel like we could talk about this all day and, you know, I don't want to drive anybody crazy. But the one thing that I do as a seller is I look for gaps in pricing. So what I mean by that is I look up stars, Jeter, Brett Favre, Trout, you know, whatever. And I do low end. I don't do five, 10, $20 cards. I'm looking for cards in the quarter, 50 cent range. But what I'll do is I'll kind of browse around, look for stuff that's new, but then I'll just look for cards that I think might have some sort of an attraction. And by that, I mean, you know, you know, some of the older trout stuff is starting to get a little bit of steam. Um, Older base cards. And what I'll do is pull one up and see what the lowest card price is and then what the next price is. So, and kind of look to see if there's any room to make a little bit of a profit. So I'll look to see if there's anything uh, where there's room for profit. So let's say that I found a card that the lowest one is 25 cents, but the next highest is 50 cents. I'll buy that and then I'll put my card at a relisted price of 49 cents. So it's like kind of what you said of dying by a thousand, whatever. I kind of do that. I, I kind of nickel and dime and raise prices like that. Um, that's kind of my selling mode of I look for gaps and then I try to maximize on those gaps. If that makes sense since if it doesn't let me know but no i think so yeah i mean you can you know try to hit the home runs or you can hit the singles or the doubles so uh, i consider that you know that's the singles and the double doubles mode you can definitely find stuff cheaper and then if you actually look 
at the selling rates currently, they have, they being COMC, have increased their rates. And, you know, and I'm not disputing the prices or nothing. What I'm saying is that, so if you have the COMC consignment rates, say the per item is a dollar with a minimum of 10, turnaround time is two weeks or 50 cents for 20 items. And then the trend turnaround time is 16 weeks. So what is that? Four months. Yep. All right. So for 50 cents. So if you find anything less than 50 cents on com C, that's less than what it would take to list it. So I guess what I'm saying is that if you can find some names, recognizable names for less than 50, 50 cents or down in the lower uh, for you to put something on ComC, it's going to cost you 50 cents in four months of time. So there's definitely opportunities to, uh, you know, find some of the big names, you know, lower cards that are collectible and maybe somebody's, you know, trying to dump them, whatever. If you have time, you can either take them and flip them or if you're, you know, prospecting on rookies and stuff like that. So uh, one thing, that I've noticed and you know, it's not for everybody, but EPAC from upper deck, if you're not familiar with EPAC, that is upper decks web version. You can buy packs and then you buy virtual cards and you combine the virtual cards to create a physical card. And then that physical card can be sent home or transferred to com C. And so, Folks are combining cards, turning them physical, putting them to ComC, and then either send them home or putting them for sale. And they could be kind of, I want to say, dumping them, but you know they're they're wanting to get some of that money back out. And so while those new releases are going on, there's a flood of cards coming out, and people are uh, a race to the bottom on price. And so you could pick up cards cheap uh, if you. You know, not, it doesn't work all the time, but if you find some particular card of some particular star that you could start buying for two cents or a penny or whatever it is and, you know, hold on to them and then one upper deck sells out and they're no longer available and the the card market has absorbed it, then card prices will start rising again and then you can turn around and sell those two cent cards for 25 cents or whatever it is. I saw that with Haley Deacon back in 2019 in the Goodwin, I think it is. You could have picked those up for, you know, 20 cents or whatever. And I think now they're going for a buck or whatever. So I feel like the printed cards from those sets have to be low numbered. I can't imagine that many actually get transferred over from digital to physical. And some of that is actually, you're right on some of that. So if you look, you have, I think with like the Goodwin, for example, you could buy them at Walmart, but the blues, I think, were only available by combining in the uh, EPAC and then transferring them to ComC and then having them ship out of ComC to become physical. So to your point, I like the, the blues of Haley Deegan are going to be harder to find because uh, the only way to get them is through EPAC. Uh, you have hockey, like the 20, I think it was 15, 2016 compendium 
that's what kind of got me started with EPAC. That was not available in stores. It was only available through EPAC, and you had to combine, I don't know if it was 10 cards or 20 cards, to turn to a physical card. And on top of that, it was a 900-card set. And I think we talked about it before, you're going to have to pay that $0.25 cents, uh, per those 900 cards, which is $225. And that's why I started uh, selling on ComC to try to generate that $225 to get that sent home so you know I, I think some of those cards are rarer in physical form so but those are some of the different ways to or maybe think about comp c that you might not have thought about before uh one thing you can do is go to browse and search on like under sports cards like if we go to racing and then one of the things i usually do is once a day is check on the sort by and then recently added and so that list is a list of cards that are basically being scanned and listed for sale at that moment so if you refresh throughout the day you'll see uh that list grow it gives you an opportunity to you know to look at you know racing or soccer or baseball or whatever sport is that you like you know to kind of see what's being scanned and what those prices are and there might be an opportunity where somebody has something price low that you could pick up or maybe you need for your collection. That's, or uh, I'll add in, you could lose cards because you don't realize what they are and you price them too low. <laughs> I've done that a few times and somebody scooped it up super fast where I couldn't change it. So, Yikes. <laughs> I, yeah, I find a lot of great bargains that way. There is, <laughs> it's very deceiving because this is the one thing I don't like about Calm C is when you go to list a card, it'll tell you the lowest price to the highest price. And they don't necessarily tell you that that lowest price is a damaged card or, you know, a blank back or, you know, whatever. And I'm the type of person that if you tell me the lowest card is 99 cents, I'm listing mine for 98. And I've gotten burned a few times. Probably my own fault that I'm not checking what that lowest card is but um yeah and there's people out there there's vultures just like val stupid <laughs> cards well i mean so, if you're listening for sale you're listening for sale yeah i know the one that sticks out to me is i lost a Derek jeter variation that i didn't even realize was a variation and i put it for 50 cents come find out it's like 50 dollars. <laughs> so oh. that's that's the one that burns me and it's been like seven years but uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a, exactly what Val is saying. That's a great way to do it. And I think that's something that Colin on Sports Card Radio talks about as well. Um, just checking the recently added for people making mistakes. Yeah, I mean, if you know kind of what the going rate is, or you can always check, I guess, eBay for comps. Now, one thing I was going to say, Jason, when you were talking about um, looking at the price, and I think you have to pay, uh, it's like a penny to look at the sales history of it. And I think Tim had said that price really only reflect reflects cards that were sold and shipped. So cards and flipped, I don't think are tracked on that sell. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I was under the impression that it, whatever it tells you the price is, is what is currently for sale. I so think like, there's, there's two. I think there's one that's for sale and I think there's one that uh, is history. 
Very possible. Maybe I'm just not looking at the right one. So yeah, I'll have to look at. It. And then I was going to say one of the best things that I found was I think it was mislabeled. It was a Myrtle Beach Talladega streaks for like three bucks or something, which is probably a fifty dollar card. That's a good card to find for that price. And it's been a couple of years ago, but I was like, hey, I'm hooked here. But yeah, I'm not much of a seller on there. I'm just I'm just a buyer. Like I said, with that, paying that $225 to ship those 900 cards home, that kind of made me look at, hey, um, you know, how can I, you know, flip a few cards here and there? I, you know, I'm not one of these, you know, there's some folks that are like, hey, I got the one card and I'm going to charge, you know, 50 times what it's worth because I got the only one on Comp C. The one thing we haven't talked about, and this is where I said I think we could go all day, is the current events like the news flash sort of thing um it happened yesterday with nfl cuts um cam newton got cut so mac jones is a starter for the patriots calm c is a gazillion times better for that current event flipping because you can go on there get your card relist it for the higher price Instantly, and you don't have to do anything but buy it and relist the price, type in a few things. Whereas, if you were trying to do it with eBay, you have to maybe win the auction, wait for the shipping, and then by that time, that card might not be as hot for whatever reason. No, that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, great, Com C, I, I, bet, I bet, I bet, Com C and eBay both were crazy when uh, the Mac Jones announcement came out. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen that before with Tim Tebow and also with Gronk during the Super Bowl and the Tampa Bay Bucks. You could you could kind of just watch as quarter by quarter during the game, stuff getting sold and relisted re and stuff. So, but yeah, Jason. So on the sales history, you have a uh, current price raw, and then the sales history. So I think. What I was talking about was the sales history, and Tim was saying that sales history doesn't count. Uh, it's only for stuff that I guess that's shipped. It's not, I guess, stuff that's bought and held. Gotcha. But it's a great site. Uh, you know, the only knock on it right now is the shipping, and they have um, put a tremendous amount of resources into fixing the shipping times and, like, everything else in PSA. They got hit with a tsunami of requests. And I think I had said that they had done f over 500,000 items shipped this last month. So, and I think they averaged just like 400 and something thousand for the last three months. It's a lot of cards, man. It's a lot of cards. Yeah. I got one. I think it was, I shipped a month or two ago. I think I'll get it sometime, I think at the end of this month. Well, just Some from the number standpoint, that's, you know, we'll say 15,000 cards a day that are getting shipped out. That's not even talking about the ones that are just getting transferred from, you know, my box to your box or whatever. I'm sure that's way more tedious than uh, shipping the stuff out because ComC is primarily a flipper site. It's not people getting cards, at least from what I've always understood. Yeah, I've seen folks in the NASCAR community, you know, they're, they're looking for cards, maybe parallels or inserts for their drivers and, and getting those shipped home. Because, you know, I think the flippers are primarily in baseball and 
you know, some of the other basketball and football and stuff like that. Not that you can't do that in racing. I definitely saw the Ty Gibbs, you know, stuff escalate quickly um, <laughs> for the stuff that was on the site. And again, you know, uh, Jason, like we talk about, you know, while we're doing the show, you know, you're checking out uh, the cards and the card history and stuff for, for yeah, drivers. All the time. So. Yep. so, yeah, I visit that site once or twice a day. Like I said, even with some of the issues that they have right now, it's still a great site. I don't know if we have anything more to add for the Com C. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that's a good start for most. All right. Well, I guess we can wrap up for tonight. I appreciate for me and the guys, everybody listening, please enjoy. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please like and share the podcast. Share NASCAR trading cards with your friends. And please like and subscribe to the podcast. And from me and the guys, we will talk to you next week. See ya.